Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hey, listeners of Killing Dad, a first degree mistake. Thank you for taking this 10 week journey with us and tuning into the series. We wanted to give you an extra episode because the story, it's far from over. And we have some new information that we wanted to share with you a few behind the scenes stories on the making of the series. And there were actually two very personal incidents that occurred while making this. And we wanted to share both of them with you. Hello, I'm Melissa McCarty. Hello, everybody. And I'm Kelly McClear. So again, thank you, everybody, for taking the time to listen to Crystal's story. Uh, we want to get started with some new information that we feel is critical to the uh, to the case. You know, we've been trying to get access to Crystal's full case file for about the last two years now. We've had bits and pieces of it but we finally have her entire case file. And we know that some of you have some questions regarding Crystal's account uh, of her story and everything that happened and wonder how much of it is true. Uh, we hope that by listening to the polygraph examination that we did, that that answered some of your questions. Um, but you know, we were limited in the questions of the polygraph. For anybody that knows how they work, you're only allowed a certain number of questions. So first, we want to address the stories of abuse at the hands of her father, Michael Howell, the victim. Now, it's not easy talking about allegations like this when someone has been murdered. So we are sticking to the facts from the legal documents that we've obtained. You know, interviews were conducted with Crystal's family in preparation for her defense. That never happened. Uh, and these are interviews that were done by her defense team while gathering the facts. Right. So we're going to go through three or four family interviews highlighting critical points which fall under mitigating circumstances never used in her defense or on her sentencing, which is a shame. And we're talking about it now because, you know, she's fighting for her life and hopefully one day she can use this information in a resentencing hearing if she's able to get that far. So we're going to start off with the great aunt on the mom's side. Again, legal documents here from Marion. Louise Downing. And this, we're sharing this information because it really kind of corroborates uh, Crystal's narrative and what she's been trying to say about her father. So Marion Downing, the great aunt on the mom's side, says to investigators that, yes, yeah, Crystal had some mental health and behavioral issues as a teen growing up, that the mom and her entire side of the family, they wanted to get Crystal some medication, but the mom was always at odds with a father who didn't approve of medication or mental health treatment of any kind because he has a long family history of mental health issues with various family members, and he didn't want Crystal stigmatized. When it comes to the marriage, this is eyewitness accounts here. She says that the mom, Christina, spoke about wanting to leave Michael prior to Crystal's birth because Michael had issues early on that she struggled with, but she never left and she always feared leaving Michael because she said that she feared the father would take custody over Sierra. And if they divorced, she feared that because Michael Howell had more money and power. Now, Marion also goes on to say that Michael Howell was, quote, 
not quite right, saying he was generally mean to Crystal's mother, Christina, and he had hostile and aggressive behaviors towards his wife and was verbally, physically abusive to the mom, Christina, and sister, Sierra, throughout the the courtship and marriage. Again, this is the great aunt speaking, saying that Michael would discipline Sierra out of proportion to what actually occurred, leaving her with welts all over her body, something that Crystal talks about as well. The great aunt says that Crystal also was the subject of Michael's abuse growing up. The entire family would make threats to Michael that they would call the Department of Social Services but unfortunately, no one in the family ever ended up making those calls. And she remembers when it came to the divorce and the separation, she does remember the dad, Michael, threatening suicide over it. So I want to talk about Sierra a little bit. Uh, you know, episode 10, there's a very emotional letter that Crystal writes uh, to her sister, Sierra. And as of today of recording this one, I do not believe that Sierra has reached out to Crystal. I do not believe that they still uh, are not speaking. But again, in the reports and the documents that we've obtained, Sierra did say that their father, Michael, had anger issues and was depressed. Uh, Sierra was aware that he suffered from mental illness in the past, but what to extent she she didn't know. She also reports that being aware of his aversion to mental health, like Melissa just talked about, especially in terms of having treatment related to his family um, and because of his family issues. Sierra also added that Michael was very physically abusive towards her. Uh, Sierra even states that he used a belt buckle to severely punish her on occasions. And she said that his spankings and beatings left welts and bruises. She says that their Aunt Marion also was witness to some of this and had pictures to prove it. Also, during the time of divorce, Sierra also talks about him being very abusive towards Christina, their mother, and that he began stalking her after they got a divorce, to which the police got involved. And that is something that Crystal does address in the podcast. Uh, and so also that was uh, corroborated by Sierra in these documents that we've obtained. And let's get to the big interview with the mom, Christina. When investigators were talking to her, she refers to Crystal growing up as an impulsive, challenging, and active child. And when it comes to the marriage with Michael Howell, she says that Michael suffered from bouts of depression, mood swings, smoked marijuana excessively, and was physically, emotionally, and verbally abusive to her. She says that Crystal saw and knew about her dad's treatment of mom. And in 2007, Christina said that Michael grabbed a knife, making a gesture to, gesture to cut himself after she said that she wanted to separate and divorce. Now, when Crystal left to go and live with her dad, Michael, the mom admits having very little awareness. This is important information. Very little awareness of what transpired in the house between dad and daughter, saying that she had, quote, poor communication with her daughter during that time, saying she would only exchange surface level text messages. So the mom had no clue, which corroborates Crystal's narrative that she felt isolated on this mountaintop in this massive house with her and her dad, no one to turn to for help. I want to talk about one other person, and that is a woman by the name of Bobby, who is another maternal great aunt and the one who told Michael that Sierra was not his biological daughter. 
Now, this is on Christina's side of the family. Uh, and this aunt said that Christina would rather attend to her own needs versus Crystal. And Crystal always sought her mom's approval, but was usually turned away. Crystal made several attempts to return home from her dad's house, but was told no. And when Crystal was allowed to come back to her mom's house, she was often sent away or threatened to be sent away by her mom if she stepped out of line. So Crystal's thoughts and feelings of not being wanted by her mother, again, are corroborated by another family member. Also, you know, it just goes to to show Crystal, you know, she did have this loving bond. Her dad was her best friend for a very long time. They were the closest. Sierra and Christina were close. Crystal and Michael were close. But there were many times when, you know, Crystal started to notice the escalating mindset and behaviors of her dad, and she didn't want to live with him. And, you know, she tried to go home and she wasn't welcome. So she was stuck in that situation. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. And I do want to say this again, we did reach out to Christina numerous of times uh, for an interview and she never returned any of our phone calls or messages. Uh, you know, Crystal also asked her mother to do it and she didn't respond to her with that. Brenda tried. Uh, we even went to Sierra's house uh, to try to, you know, go face to face with her and see if she would agree to speak with us. Uh, but she was not home at the time. We did leave her a note. Um, now, Melissa, you have spoken with Christina and Sierra uh, in the past, a few years ago. Uh, what was it like to meet them? Yeah, I sat down with Christina and Sierra for several hours years ago. And this is before you and I had any communication or connection with Crystal at all. It was just their version of events. And she was very transparent um, and honest about the affair and, you know, Sierra not being Michael's biological child and the regrets that she had. She was, you know, seemingly uh, open and lovely and she didn't want to participate in the podcast. I can only assume because it's it's Crystal's um, story and she didn't know what would come out. I think there's regret. I mean, how, how could you not listen to all 10 parts and not have some kind of regret or I didn't know I wasn't aware um, we know that she's listening and I hope one day to talk to her because I think, you know, I wish I knew about this documented abuse that she went through in her marriage. I wish I knew and I wish she would talk about it because I think not only not for us, not for you and I, if for Crystal to help Crystal, at least in the sentencing phase, I think it would have been important. So that door is always, always open. Well, and I also think that Christina and Sierra are victims as well, you know, not not just 
at the hands of what happened to their father, but the abuse by Michael Howell and the bad marriage. Um, so, you know, their, their side of the story is definitely as important as Crystal's is. And I hope that one day, you know, they, they will talk to us. Um, two other people I really want to thank um, and express our sincerest gratitude towards is Summer and Taylor. You know, they still live with the trauma of what happened that that day and those weeks afterwards at the mountaintop house. And, you know, they are so brave uh, for continuing to share their story. And I just want to thank them from the bottom of my heart. Melissa, I think I speak for you, too, uh, when we are so grateful for their participation in this and in their bravery. And I just want to commend them for that. And, you know. I, I hope they go on to live amazing, amazing lives and have families and wonderful careers. And they're they're just such lovely people. And there's a kind of a funny backstory to to how they agreed to to come on and participate in the podcast. Um, Melissa came out to visit me, and I don't live too far from from Hayward County, North Carolina. So Melissa came out for about two weeks, I think. Right, Melissa, you're out here for, and we were yeah traipsing all over the Southeast, uh, looking for everybody involved in this story. And Melissa got Summer and Taylor to meet us at a barbecue joint in, in Haywood County. Maggie Valley. In Maggie Valley, exactly. Yeah. Which County. is beautiful, by the way. It's such a beautiful city. It's so great. And shout out to that barbecue place. It was uh, actually some of the best barbecue brisket I've ever had. Uh, but they're both lovely people. And we have we had a great probably like hour and a half lunch or so. And we said, would you guys agree to do the podcast? And they said, yes. And we said, OK, when, you know, thinking we would just schedule a time to come back later. And they said, how about right now? So luckily, I had loaded up all of our podcast equipment in the car just in case they did say yes. And thank goodness they did. And Melissa, there's a funny story about where we went to do the interviews. Starbucks. <laughs> we we like all caffeinated and, um, you know, it's like summer would wait in the car while we interview her car while we interviewed uh, Taylor in hours for several hours. And that, that was huge. And then Taylor would step out for several hours while we sat with summer in a car doing this emotional walkthrough. And, you know, it, it's something that they were stigmatized by in the residents. There's hopefully not a lot, but one or two residents would still harass them. Remember there's stories of residents still linking them to this incident, which is so insane to me, but they went through this vulnerable, horrific moment with us in a car, in a backseat for hours and hours. And we were just very grateful to them because their story, their input in it was, it was huge. It was everything that's important. They're eyewitnesses. Yep. All that in a Starbucks parking lot in the back of my SUV. <laughs> and then we went and then we had to go door knocking. We were searching for uh, the boyfriends of Crystal's past and one of them, Arthur, who she was with. And he had the unfortunate experience of witnessing her being handcuffed and arrested by homicide detectives in that hotel. And we were just door knocking, trying to find him. And he was so shocked when we knocked on his door. He was like, what is going on? But that's, you know, on the boots journalism, just having addresses, having a name, trying to track somebody and like literally knocking until you hopefully find the person. Yeah. So we thank him too, for sharing his story uh, with us. You know, he said he would, you know, he didn't want to do it right then and there that day, which was totally fine. And, and he said, you know, but no, I'll, we'll schedule something later. And, you know, people say that and they never do. And then they ghost you and they never return phone calls, but 
He did it. He, he kept his word. Yeah, he kept his word and he did it. And uh, you know, and of course, we want to thank we want to thank Brenda uh, for sharing her story and being such a supporter and advocate for Crystal. She has been nothing but hospitable and and wonderful during this whole process. And I think you can tell that uh, in her her interviews how much she cares for Crystal. And you know, another thing I really want to talk about because it is really at the thread of the entire series, um, Killing Dad, is that. You know, mental health is so important and you really, I think the the stigma nowadays is less and less and less about getting mental health care treatment that you need. Uh, And Crystal is working on that. She is, you know, the Anson prison system, you know, uh, I'm not there, so I can't, I can't, can't really speak on behalf of it. But, you know, I do know that, that she, she still struggles, but, you know, she is getting the help that she needs. And I think you hear in episode 10, um, you know, we had a bit of a speed bump, shall we say, during the make of all, making of all of this. And Melissa, you were the one that got the phone call. Yeah, we were making the podcast and I don't hear from Crystal. I mean, we email every single day, phone calls every week or two. And we had already recorded a bunch of her life story, but we were just over halfway through and I get a phone call from an inmate, not Crystal. And she informs me that Crystal made a suicide attempt uh, and she was in the hospital. Um, and we that's all we knew. Uh, we didn't know if she was going to live, if she was going to die. We didn't know how severe it was. Um, and the inmate that called me didn't know. And we also know that at the time, you know, she didn't want Brenda, who's her biggest advocate and such a strong supporter. She didn't want Brenda to know. And so we it was it's tough because we know that Crystal was talking about the murder for the first time ever. We know that what that does to a person's psyche and it takes them to a dark place. We also know the podcast became her purpose her reason to fight and exist. It was important. She got her story out. She felt like she was, you know, strong-armed in in signing this plea deal and she wants a chance to get out. So we know that this is something she wholeheartedly wanted to do. But when you relive something like this and you say it out loud for the first time, I can only imagine what goes through a young person or any person's mind when reliving a murder that they committed. So she made this suicide attempt and it was just, I remember crying. I called you, I was crying. It was so devastating because we also didn't know how, what the ending would be. And that's why episode 10 is so emotional is I wasn't on that call. It was just Kelly and Crystal and we had learned that Crystal made a really deep, deep cut to her neck. And it was incredibly aggressive. It was something she hadn't done before in her past. She was very open about suicide attempts. They were Some of them were very superficial cuts, but this one wasn't. And, and I think that is what ignited the emotion with that conversation between Kelly and Crystal in episode 10 is our heart ached on having this happen while she was in this vulnerable place with us. 
Yeah, you know, and I think that's why it was so emotional for me. I remember it was like seven, eight o'clock at night when she called. And, and you know, luckily we had already gotten the news that, you know, she was out. She was in the clear out of the, the med ward. And and I, I was not expecting us to go there when we when we did that um that section you heard in episode 10. And and it's comes from a very, very deep place. And I, a part of me didn't feel like we were responsible for her doing that by <laughs> Oh, same. Yeah. By opening up all these wounds. And so there was definitely that guilt and, oh gosh, did we make her do like, we didn't make her do it, but you know, did we put her in that place that was so such a dangerous place to go? And I think that was also very eye-opening for her because after that, and after we were done all of our official interviews with Crystal, you know, like I said, uh, where she is housed, she's not that far from me. And so it's it's very easy for me to go up and visit her. And, and I've gone to see her quite a few times, um, pay her visits. And, and I always enjoy our, our, our conversations when we're there. And, uh, you know, I remember the first time I went to see her by myself, uh, I, the, the visitation was two hours. It was for two hours. And she looks at me, she's like, I don't know what we're going to talk about for two hours because by then, you know, we had already spoken to her probably, you know, 20 times, you know, I, we have so many recordings with Crystal. So, you know, she's like, I, you know, everything about me. I don't know what we're going to talk about for two hours now. And next thing you know, you blink and the guards are like, all right, wrap it up, everybody out. And we both looked at each other like that was the fastest two hours ever. We just talked about anything and everything under the sun. Um, but after she she had that suicide attempt, going to see her and seeing the scar on her neck, um, I know she was very nervous about me, you know, seeing her that way. I was nervous, too. Um, you know, and she said, I just. I felt like I let you down and I'm like, no, you know, while I'm mad at you, I'm happy you're okay. But we had a nice conversation about it and, and, you know, she hasn't tried since and um, she's in a, I think she's in a much better place now, you know, going through this, this whole process. And I think it's definitely helped with her healing uh, and her mental health. And, you know, it's funny whenever we go and, and I go see her and we talk, you know, she always asks about my dogs, you know, cause she had her dog, Teddy. I love their dad. And so she just loves animals. And so she always asks about the dogs and, and all that kind of stuff. And she just, she remembers things and she's a, such a caring, lovely person. And, and Melissa, you witnessed that firsthand as well when you had, you had an incident in your family. Yeah. It talks about like who Crystal is, right? She is this incredibly creative, gifted, uh, incredible writer, big hearted person. And, you know, she, she did this horrible thing. Um, but this isn't the entirety of, of who she is. And again, we, she, we did this over a year, Kelly and I, we've been talking to her for years. We, the making of this was well over a year. Oh, Melissa, it's been like three years, probably. I mean, I remember I, not to cut you off here, but I remember you were at my house in Colorado when you got the email from Crystal saying she agreed to do it. And that was, that was over three years ago. So it's, it's been some time. Yeah. And again, you know, this story that I'm going to go into, it's not my story. That's not the intention, but it's important to mention to show who I think is the true person of Crystal. So during the making of this, I had a few personal incidents that occurred. Um, you know, my brother was shot. Uh, he survived, thankfully. But then um, in uh, September of last year, uh, 2022, he was in a coma for two months and because Crystal and I uh, talked every single day in an email, 
um, I had to notify her because she's always been so vulnerable and open with us. I wanted to be the same with her. I always told her the truth about what was going on in my life. And I said, hey, my brother's in a coma. She knows that just to kind of explain, my brother's had a really, really tough life. He's he's struggled. I think his life has been more suffering and pain than than joy, unfortunately. And so leaving it there. Um, he was in a coma. I had to tell Crystal, you won't be hearing from me for a while because I don't know if he's going to live or die and I need to go be by his side, by his bedside. So uh, a month or two passed, he was out of his coma and I was telling her that, hey, I'm back. You know, how have you been? She was asking me about my brother. And I said, well, he can't uh, speak because he has a ventilator um, keeping him alive and he can't walk. He has to relearn how to use his body after laying there for two months. But he is a walking miracle. And the next thing you know, I get a letter in the mail from Crystal. It is a letter that she wrote to my brother. Uh, and I, I just was so shocked by it. And she's such an artist and she's so open about herself. She uh, sketched an image of herself and it's her hair up in a ponytail, her big, huge blue eyes. And she actually uh, wrote with a red marker, a gash on her neck signifying where she cut herself. So that was in like the caricature that she, she drew for me. And I'm going to read you the letter. I'm going to read you Crystal's letter to my brother says, I didn't have a recent photo, so I doodled this, and she points to the caricature of herself. My room looks like the sequel to the movie Twister, but I really don't feel like cleaning or organizing, so I'll sit here and write you a letter instead. So hi, I know nothing about you really, other than the fact that you are Melissa's brother, and you know nothing about me other than the fact that I have a messy room. So that's a pretty level playing field. I like being a stranger. I met your sister because I am the subject of this podcast she's doing. So I'm sure that you can guess where I'm at. Spoiler, oh, spoiler alert. I'm in prison. I'm a professional inmate. I have been since I was 17 years old. I am now 26 years old. And my daydream is that I'll get out in the next five years. But I'm kind of just wishing on dandelions at this point. Maybe someday. Gotta stay cautiously optimistic, right? I know that you are in a bit of a bind right now in the hospital, basically a prison with wires and tubes where they are nicer to you, I'm sure. I know it's probably boring and I'm unsure if you are able to read, but I'll send you a letter every Monday so you can have some light reading and you are able to reply. If so, here's my information. And she goes on to say, how are you? Or she goes on to say, how old are you? Can you get books and stuff? You should check out this series. It's a, a Court of Thrones and Roses. I've never heard of it. But she says, if you can, I've been reading it a while back and it's pretty good. I've been too busy crafting lately to read and Christmas is coming and all that. So I'm forcing, it's forcing me to be creative. Well, I just wanted to write you a quick one to lay out my intro. I'll tell you a little bit more about me this next week. Something has been tugging at my soul, telling me to reach out to you. So I asked Melissa and she said, yes, I think maybe brokenness. Waiting on a tax return. Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. 
Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. I think maybe brokenness is our commonality. I don't know. But I wanted to shine a little ray of light on your life. And I'm doing this thing lately called trying to find my purpose. Maybe we can help each other along the way. Sorry. <laughs> um, it's true. You know, there are two broken hearts and souls and they're good. And and I, I relate, you know, I relate on many levels. So that I, I haven't read that <laughs> in a long time. But um, that's the, the first time I'm hearing that too. Um, I knew she wrote the letter, but I, you know, obviously that's between the three of you. And she's just, she, she does have a good heart. She does. Um, yeah. She and does. I read that to him because he obviously wasn't able to to speak and read and hold the paper. So I, I read it to him and he loved it. All right, Melissa, well, it's official. We both cried now in this podcast. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah, well, I want to. Uh, I want. I'll lighten the load here, light or I'll lighten the mood here for uh, for just a second. Um, you know, I always tell Melissa not to read the comments that people say um, about the podcast, and you know, it's it's the the morbid curiosity, right, of uh, <laughs> wanting to read it but not wanting to read it. And I I think all the the people out there that that uh, you know, had some really positive things to say and, and thank you for listening and everything. And, um, you know, like my husband always says though, opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one. <laughs> I want to address one comment in particular, and I would not normally do this, but I, I want to, because I think it's important because it actually really, really offended me. The, the title of the comment was great story, but not respectfully told. Yeah, that one hurt me too. Um, that could not be further from the truth. That's a flat out lie. They, because there is nothing that we have done that has been disrespectful. And actually, it's we've done it all with, with respect. The person goes on to say that they thought it was disrespectful because it was all done over the phone, out in the open in her dorm. They could have at least went to visit her where she had some privacy to share their story with them. You could not be more wrong. And I'm not going to say the name of this person. Number one, it's a prison. They don't have a voiceover booth in the prison for her to go and do this. She is an incarcerated person. Number two, you are not allowed to bring recording devices into the prison. So it's not like we could bring in our phone and do a recording. Uh, so that is a flat out a lie um, for, for this person to say that. Second of all, I think by Crystal doing these interviews the way she did them. And at times she was in her room where she could close the door and she was able to go behind a closed door. Other times she had to be out in the open, but it also goes to show you how brave she was in telling her story and to be able to do this in front of everybody. Uh, you know, this person went on to say this entire thing was made to get followers and likes not to actually tell her story or because they care about telling her story. Sorry that you feel this way, but that could not be further from the truth. There's anything that anybody knows about me. I do not give a shit about followers and clicks and likes or anything like that. I hardly post on social media. I do not care if people know me. 
or know my name. The importance of this was getting Crystal's story out, getting her a reduced sentence, and that's why we did it. If you noticed, this was not about me and Melissa. It is 100% about Crystal. Kelly, rant over. Um, and, and just adding that, you know, uh, she's fighting for a second chance. She's fighting to reduce the 30 to life. And we are in no way going to paraphrase something this significant. Could we have used less of the prison call with not that wasn't flawless audio? Yeah, but in no way did I want that weight on my shoulders in paraphrasing. There's too many podcasts out there that don't even have accurate information. So I'm not going to paraphrase her words. It's a murder she committed and she's going to tell it. You know, so, uh, and again, very few, thankfully, of the uh, 400,000 plus downloads and growing every single week, very few. But yeah, some of those comments were, were, were looking, we shouldn't be looking, but that one we did want to address. Now, I want to also say on the note of the audio, um, Crystal is an incredible singer. She grew up singing in the church very creative girl. And we, uh, we wanted to hear her voice. So amazing grace is one that was like a free use that anyone can sing without licensing, not her first choice of song granted, but we, and again, also she's singing from Anson prison, but we have it. We want to share it with you. And again, thank you for listening. We want to remind everybody that if you do feel that crystal does deserve a reduced sentence, we created a petition on change.org entitled Reduce Crystal Howell's Sentence. So I urge you all, if you would take the time to sign that petition. And if you have a comment or a message to send to Crystal, uh, you can drop that there and I'll be sure to get that to her. Thank you again, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate it. Amazing But now I'm found, but I'm burned out.